welcome to Foul Mouths Podcast. Uh, today we have Nate Swick with us, aka Birdman, aka All at right. N8 Swick. Yep. His vital statistics are name, oh my God. <laughs> Nate Swick, gender, male, according to Facebook. That's the only place yeah. I could get no. that confirmed. Yeah, um, that's fine. Date of birth unknown. Um, January 1st. Okay. Oh, All right. fancy. Yeah, starting, it's, it's, it feels a lot fancier than it really is. Starting yeah. fresh. Jeez. Yes. So everybody's yeah. hungover for your birthday. Congratulations. Always, constantly, and nothing is ever open. That sucks. Uh, wow. So like, like, like right That's now. Like worse than Christmas. Well, yeah, it's, it's, uh, well, look, I've dealt with it for 40 years now. I, I've learned to, uh, learned to roll with it. Yikes. All right. Uh, all right. Let's keep going through this. Um, location, yeah. Greensboro, yep. North Carolina. Correct. Marital status, married uh, with two dependent children. <laughs> That's right. The last time I got a confirmation on their age, well, okay, let's not get too creepy. Wow. Um, <laughs> I've, already, I've already mentioned your uh, your Twitter handle uh, yeah. at n8swick. Um, okay, so you're very you're, active. You're yeah. you're uh, lately, yeah. Your many occupations. Um, okay, so host the American Birding Podcast, ABA. Mm -hmm. Editor the American Birding Association blog, ABA. Social sure. media manager, the American Birding Association, ABA. So you're yeah. just sort of like you are the yeah, ABA. The, <laughs> I'm the ABA online. Yeah. The 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 when I started, I was basically just the guy that hit post on the ABA blog stuff. And as the ABA has evolved, yeah, uh, uh, they just keep adding stuff. Well, that qualifies you do. for social <laughs> media manager. So that's true. Good. Yes. Okay. Um, author. Birding for yeah. the Curious, uh, 2015. Yeah. Correct. Uh, American Birding Association Field Guide to Birds of the Carolinas, 2016. Yep. And uh, The Beginner's Guide to Birding, The Easiest Way for Anyone to Explore the Incredible World of Birds, 2018. Yes, but but I will say I will say that the first and the third are actually the same book. Ah. The publisher changed the name for reasons that I have no idea. Okay. I mean, they, they have their ways. To sell more of um, them, I think. To sell more of them, yeah. Yeah, so it's actually the okay. same book. They just has has two different names. Cool. Well, I tried to get a copy, but in today's um, climate, the the ship <laughs> date, the arrival date was like April yeah. 24th to May 2nd or something. So I yeah. went on to like some nefarious... Websites that end with like .ru and .rz, <laughs> and I tried to get download a, an illegal PDF of it. Oh, it doesn't God. exist. You know, Nobody has pirated your has. No I'm one not has sure pirated whether it to and be put it up there. thrilled with that, yeah. or disappointed. I think disappointed. Yeah, um, yeah, probably. But all right, well, let's let's keep going. Um, <laughs> contributor uh, ten thousand birds www birds com Less so these days, but there yeah. was a time when I yeah. did a lot of that. Hey, it counts. It's on your resume, which, okay. by yeah. the way, right. I haven't seen, but we, we can fix that. <laughs> you're, you're, you're pretty much just reading it. Okay, so, great. Uh, um, yeah. You uh, lead excursions for the ABA and the Carolina Bird Club events. From time to time. Okay, yeah. from time to time. And you are a member of the North Carolina Bird Records Committee. Can you tell us what I'm that is? I'm the chair, actually. Oh, the North oh, 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 Which sounds cling, cling. a lot more impressive than it really, yeah, exactly. It's one of those things that it's it's not necessarily like a birding skill position. It's mostly like a paperwork position. Yeah. Um, so all the submissions that people, if you, if you see a rare bird, you fill out this form and it comes to me and then nice. I kind of distribute it to the other members. You're behind a giant I, what, oak deck with a with a gold monocle. Yes, Perfect. exactly. Um, um, I mean, that's that's the way it's supposed to work. What actually <laughs> happens is I end up emailing people, begging them to submit uh, reports for birds that they have seen, mm -hmm. uh, just so we can like go through the motions of actually accepting those things. It, it's is funny. I think bird records committees are are I, they feel a little archaic these days mm -hmm. with eBird and eBird, um, you know, eBird the people that actually you know review the eBird records. Mm -hmm. But I guess they serve a purpose, um, and uh, you know, at least since I'm the chair of one, I should at least pretend like they serve a purpose. And that <laughs> just ro rotate the gold monocle. That's and, right. Uh, That's all I do. Yep. Yeah. Make, I put count it on the my money. Resume, count the bird money. Very impressive. Yeah. Um, keep well, your, keep, you got to keep your ink well filled. Yes. Totally. Mm. At all yes. times. Feather, but you wouldn't well, use a feather out. pen. Yeah. yeah. No. That would kind of be gauche, right? Uh, yeah, it's yes. just got to be a gold fountain pen. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Nate Swick. Yeah. Classic. Uh, you can't mess with the classics. Thank you so much for coming on the show. <laughs> oh, my pleasure. Uh, yeah. Nate fucking Swick. Yeah, it's definitely Nate our pleasure. Swick. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, um, so, Nate, is this your first podcast you, appearance? You, yeah. So I have been on your side uh, many times with the ABA podcast, but I've never been the recipient of an interview. I can't, that's not how interviews work. I've never been an interviewee. Uh-huh. Wow. So yeah, this is first time. Cool. First time. Damn. It's, wow. I mean, yeah. it's, I wonder if it'll be easier or harder. Well, you let us know at the end. It's always harder uh, yeah. when you're on we'll our out. show. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we have a ton of questions for you. Um, now right. you, you got the decoy list that we sent, which are all the questions oh, no. we're not going to ask. <laughs> I, and I we read have through the, those and, yeah. and kind of yeah no I That's have right. scripted answers and everything. This yep. is very disappointing. Yes, well we have a whole we have a whole <laughs> new list. <laughs> you bastards. Yeah, uh, that's not true. It's just that you know as as we go along, um, things will things will come up and in in sure. my yeah, um, no, stalking of you through um, <laughs> oh, the God, internet, right. I I just yeah. have I have some questions for you too. Yeah. So uh, I I will try to come up with answers. Uh, Sean, do you want to start us off? Um, yeah, sure. <laughs> I'm I'm a little concerned for all of these questions that you've come up with, to be honest. So. <laughs> um, I think, I, I mean, look, we all know where we're at, like in the world, and uh, mm. it, things are shitty. We're we're stuck in our houses, or we yeah. if you're if you're doing things right, we're you're stuck in your house. And uh, so, what what does it look like for you right now? What's what's your life like, or what's birding look like for you? <laughs> kids yeah. all of that like just get caught up yeah so you know one of the one of the fortunate things about working for the aba is that they are I, i've been working from home since i've been involved with the aba so mm-hmm. you know i have a, my little corner of the guest bedroom uh, i have like my mic and all my all my shit and it's um it's it's good like i i have stuff i need to get done every day and i get it done and that's i'm happy and now you know my my kids are home. They're school age kids, so they have these responsibilities. Uh, like I have an obligation to to educate them now, or at least sort of be involved in their education when I didn't have to before. And it's been and it's been difficult. It's been hard to find time. That's definitely been an adjustment. And I think you know, I'm I'm one of many people who are sort of having to deal with that. In fact, mm-hmm. I, I was talking to Sean earlier. Um, my son's probably pretty pissed off at me now because now's the time he usually plays Fortnite. Oh yeah, <laughs> in right. This room yep. On the uh, with his with his friends and yep. uh, now I, I got I'm doing this. Yeah, we uh, we have so I I teach online now uh, four mm-hmm. days a week, and that means that when Heather's trying to wrangle our toddler, um, <laughs> yeah. she can't rely on the soothing teat of the internet. <laughs> um, to placate him yeah. with Daniel Tiger right. and stuff like that. So yeah, not it's rough. That, not that it, it is. It's more FaceTime. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. And um, my uh, my wife is an academic academia as well, mm-hmm. and um, she's she's usually home two or three days a, a week mm-hmm. in a normal week. So it's not a huge, uh, not a huge change. But now you know she's sucking on the bandwidth now. Yeah. She's got these WebEx meetings and Zoom meetings all the time. Yeah. So and I'm, meanwhile, I've got kids that. You know, we we want to do want to do their their schoolwork, but like I, I'm not going to do six hours of schoolwork with them yeah. today. Yeah, and you know they they do what they need to do, and we we kind of let them let them do their thing. And it's mm-hmm. like they my my son can't go out and play basketball with his friends mm-hmm. right now, so he's at home. And so what is he going to do? He's going to play video games yeah. and and watch TV. And like I can't get mad at him for that like what else have you got to do now yeah that's i mean <laughs> he's a kid that's what he's supposed he's a kid. to do yeah and he wants to he wants to chat with his friends and hang out with his friends and the way to do that now is is virtually and yep. so i'm not gonna i'm not gonna put my foot down on that so yeah that that's cool i mean uh you know kudos to you i hear a lot of other parents saying the exact same thing and it's it's yeah. the only right answer i mean yeah you just can't you know everyone we know is a two working parent yeah. you know household and you can't stop doing your job. You can't 
ignore your kids, but it's just this balance <laughs> where you have to you have to yeah. give some and take some and and try to remember that like, you know, hey, maybe, you know, a few weeks to a couple months of one year of their <laughs> life, like they can God, just yeah. they can just handle it. You know, they can go yeah. outside and throw sticks at wasp nests and like <laughs> learn how life works and it's gonna yeah. be all right. Yeah. Just keep it yeah. keep an EpiPen around. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. I mean it, it's shitty. It's it's a shitty time. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no getting around it. And you just you just gotta roll with it. And uh, you know, we're all doing the best we can. What yep. are you gonna do? Right on. All right. COVID's out of the way. All right. Sorry COVID's that one listener that complained it. last time. Yeah, oh man. Don't even get me started on that. <laughs> um I don't want to hear about it anymore. <laughs> so, yeah. so I mean, man. What if what does the world what does the world not know about you at this point that we haven't you know we've we've like been hearing this side of you from uh, like asking the questions all of the puns yeah. all of you know you're <laughs> uh, killer yeah. killing the puns um yeah. what, say that what's your life what's your life like what's what do you what what does Nate Swick do for fun do you like uh, I know I'm fortunate I'm fortunate that birding is still fun. You know, it is weird being on, on this side of it. And, but, you know, I still like getting outside and, and not just birds, but all sorts of stuff. Um, I play a little music. I think there's a lot of like an intersection between musicians and, and bird watchers. Um, I play some video games myself. Like I'm not, I'm not a monolith, but I, I'd like <laughs> to think that the, I'd like to think that the person that people hear when they listen to the uh, American Birding Podcast or whatever is, is a pretty authentic version of myself. Mm. Like I'm not trying to be someone I'm not. So, what are the games you're playing right now? Oh, geez. Um, <laughs> is it is it? <laughs> this is sort of embarrassing. Uh-huh. I'm playing a lot of Animal Crossing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you are right. not alone. Yeah. We call it yeah. the raccoon yeah, game. Let my my little virtual house like go to shit so I can fill up my museum, which yep. is pretty much the only thing I care about. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we call it the raccoon game because our son <laughs> yeah. will be like, raccoons, every yeah. time they're on the screens. Our son is yeah. like, pay attention to me, mommy. And we're like, hey, <laughs> raccoons are on TV. Sit yeah. down. Yeah. Pay attention. I have to Talk- catch some fish. And he was doing that. He was going like... My wife makes fun of us for playing it. It is a game that I can play with my kids, though. Like yes. My, my daughter is six, and like it's a game that she can play without any yeah, interaction. Yeah. Like she can, she can get up early in the morning, and she goes down, and she plays for an hour, an hour and a half, and then, no, yeah, that's good. Yep. Oh, God. Yep, wholesome yeah. fun. She can read, too, so it's good. Nice. Yeah, most of the time. So then the rest of your time is like Fortnite and Candy Crush. Yeah, you know it. All right. You know, like, <laughs> staples. Yep. <laughs> A given. Yeah. Um. Jesus. So I mean, so, what was the bird right. that got it Video all started? Video games. Oh yeah, is, is what was your spark is, bird? Yeah, my spark bird. Yeah, that's a good question. I have um a couple. So I I grew up in Missouri. Uh, my dad was a middle school science teacher, and so we lived like on a river out eh, kind of far away from town and so we spent a lot of time on the river and so I, I grew up kind of canoeing and, and swimming in the river a lot and I would just go up the river every once in a while by myself when I was you know 10 10 to 12 or so and there was this one like patch of uh willow that would like overhang this curve and uh, I kept hearing like this weird bird sound coming out of it and it would like bother me for a long time. And so I finally snuck in real close and got a good look at it. And I found the bird. And, uh, you know, my dad's a science teacher. We have a lot of, we had a lot of nature books around, including a lot of old bird books and, and reptile books and insect books and all this stuff. And so I was able to figure out what it was. And it turned out it was a wide-eyed vireo. Mm. So this wide-eyed vireo was like the first bird that I ever kind of got interested in Mm. and wanted kind of worked my way through the identification process, like hearing the weird sound and finally getting a good look at it without binoculars and then taking that mental image and and going back to the bird book that we had at home and like digging through it till I could find it. And um, that kind of got me going on birds. And I got like super, super into birds when I was in like middle school and high school I was like the only one mm-hmm. uh, in the state. <laughs> uh, so like all my friends were elderly people. Uh-huh. And uh, um, 
so I did that and I went to bird camp and got heavily involved with uh, a lot of that stuff. And then I got into high school and I started doing other things, um, running and playing music uh, and band, which is like only a slight step up in terms of dorkiness. <laughs> for <bird> watching. <laughs> but uh, so I, I kind of put birding aside for a while and I was kind of only a little bit in, you know, invested in it. And then um, I went to high school, went to college, came back. Uh, met my my wife, the well, the woman who became my wife, and then we ended up getting married. And then uh, on our honeymoon, we went to Asheville, out in North Carolina, uh, in Western North Carolina. And uh, we were walking along a trail, and uh, I heard some weird bird sounds, and I started pitching because I don't know, it's like m- muscle memory. Mm. Mm-hmm. And uh, a black-throated blue warbler oh, nice. came oh. bam right in because they like come right mm-hmm. into pitching. Yep. Mm-hmm. And sat like right in front of me, and that was like a bird that I had looked at. Not super common in Missouri, uh, but it's one I had always looked at in the field guide. And been like, oh, I'd really love to see that bird. Uh, and so I was like, yeah, this is, this got to be a sign. Got back into birding, got a new pair of binoculars, and uh, been doing that ever since. Damn. So two spark birds, those are good birds too, and black throated blue warbler. White-eyed vireos, like that's a that's yeah. a pretty deep spark bird. That's yeah. that's yeah. digging deep into the field guide. That's mm-hmm. good. We, you know, they've got that weird vocal. They've got that weird song, like that's all yeah. ratchety and different. And I don't know, like, something about it just really caught my caught my attention. And uh, I've been into yeah, snakes they... and turtles and bugs and stuff. And that that was like my entrance into birds. And you got two two of them that are like super. Uh, like precocious they're they like they're oh, yeah, like yeah. right in your face yeah totally yeah that, that helps <laughs> so yeah. um you've been birding long enough that um i i don't know this is always sort of a, a a omnipresent in my mind just because um i'm an expert at a few things and by mm. expert i mean i've been bashing at them for like thousands <laughs> and thousands of hours that um, is expertise in, in a way. Right. And, um, well, the closest I'll ever get to it. And, yeah. uh, and it's so, but I also teach the stuff sometimes uh-huh. to, to people who have no experience with it whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's this constant, um, sort of game with yourself of trying to put yourself back where you were maybe yeah, yeah. 25 30 years ago depending totally. and totally. and um and you wrote a book about this you wrote yeah. the beginner's guide to to birding so can you tell us what that was like and can you tell us a little bit about that book because it seems like it seems like you're everything that we want to be which is oh, uh, well, is you're an generous. expert and you're good at podcasting and oh, cool. um, all right yeah and this uh, <laughs> Like well, you thanks. know things about birds, and um, and so you know that's that's our audience, right? We're we're yeah we're aiming to to bring people into this world, and so it helps, you know, a lot of times that I I don't know anything about birds, and so I can relate to those people. <laughs> and yeah. uh, but but tell us about that book, and tell us about the experience of of writing it after you know twenty years of birding. Yeah, so it was kind of it's it's funny. So I was I was writing at Ten Thousand Birds, and uh, I guess this publishing company, which is a, a company that does a lot of like cookbooks and how to sort of books, mm-hmm. and they they wanted to do something on bird watching, and so they went to Mike Bergen and Corey Finger, who uh, are the who run Ten Thousand Birds, and they asked them if they wanted to do it, and it they they pitched them some ideas, and they didn't really connect, and so they said, well, maybe Nate can do it, and so they they asked me, and I was like, yeah, all right, I'll, I'll give it a take a take a shot at it and so the the concept behind the book was that and this was the what the publisher sort of wanted was they wanted this to be like a very active book so for every chapter about how to do something there's an accompanying activity right so Mm. there's um let's see you know when you're just starting to get just starting to get into birding i tried to say the activity is well you know what just go go take a walk and try to see something you've never seen before right it's something very simple Mm -hmm. um and uh, let me see how, how do I want to, and you know, I, I, I kind of, when I went into this, I was trying to take all the things that I had learned over the years that I had been birding and sort of synthesize them in a way that, you know, people who are just getting into it might be, um, might be appealing to them. So, um, I don't know. I, I, 
do kind of think that when you become an experienced birder, you do sort of learn how much you don't know. Mm-hmm. Like you're constantly, you're constantly made aware of the the many 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 ways in which birds can fool you and mm-hmm. um, you know mess mess you up and mess with your preconceptions and all this stuff. And so I do kind of consider myself a perpetual novice in some ways. Like I maybe I can give the impression that I know what I'm talking about, but like there. I, I can be very easily fooled and I have tons of stories about being extremely easily fooled and making mm. huge birding errors in front of lots of people. So it uh. happens to everybody, but, um, stringing, I, you you're know, stringing people along. Well, look, I'd like to say that, uh, <laughs> I very quickly oh, realized my mistake and then, yeah. you know, I can, uh, we, then we can talk about mistakes and why you make mistakes. And this is why you only have one pinky. <laughs> exactly. All right. Exactly. The less said about that, the better. Oh. Um, yeah, so I don't know. You know, I'm interested. I'm not just interested in birds. I'm interested in a lot of aspects of nature, and um, and a lot of those things. I am very much a beginner. Like I do not know much about bugs, mm-hmm. for instance. And there are things that I like. Trees and plants are a complete like black box to me. So I, I do feel like getting into those sorts of things, and maybe not taking them as far as other people have, puts me in the mindset of a beginning birder. Uh, pretty frequently because I have the same sort of questions and I go through the same sort of processes as well. Uh, though I do get, you know, better at using a field guide at least. <laughs> yeah. Learn how that index works. It's key. That's right. Yeah. You know, fast, fast. Okay. Finger. Just alphabetical. Just remember that much. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> but it was really neat when I was writing that book, the process of writing that book, you know, putting all that stuff onto paper and thinking about it in a way that I hadn't really thought about it before because yeah. If, you, if you've been birding for a long time, maybe you gain a little skill. Um, sometimes people are not very good at explaining why they have that skill or why they thought a bird is one thing or, and not another thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of asking yourself those questions and forcing yourself to, to think from you know, an, a novice's perspective. Uh, you know, a, a smart novice is an intelligent novice, someone that you know, can put things together but maybe doesn't quite have the tools yet. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, it can help you help you explain those things a little bit better. It's, it's helped me, you know, when I've given bird walks and stuff like that to people who are, who are just coming into it. Right. What do you, what do you think the challenge, like what, what is your, your primary challenge? This sort of goes into, uh, you know, one of our questions for you, which is, Mm -hmm. you know, what does, what does a walk with you look like? So maybe we can can go into that next, but you know, what does, um, what is that, challenge like you know with people who have never birded before because it seems like in in some ways like your job's almost easy right because you're showing people things they've never seen before and and if you're one of us (laughs) right your eyes get big and you drool a little bit and then that's Uh that's it you're you're sort of owned yeah yeah you know i i I think one of the biggest mistakes that people take when dealing with novices and maybe novices of, of no matter what you're talking about, um, not just birds, is like getting like assuming that these people are are reasonably intelligent people. They just don't have the information yet. And mm. so your job is essentially to give them that information. Like these people aren't aren't fucking morons. Mm-hmm. Like they they know they're coming <laughs> to this. <laughs> they're coming to this because they have an interest and they're probably really good at something else, but maybe you know, I mean, birding is new. Maybe. So breathing, you just have eating. To, yeah, breathing, breathing, eating, the basics. And so like you can help them use those tools that they maybe already have mm. and apply them to birding in a way that might make sense to them. Um, but it it is sort of difficult sometimes for people who maybe are used to being right a lot mm. to be so completely wrong yeah. <laughs> with birds sometimes. Like you really have to get uh, comfortable with being wrong and being uh, humbled a lot yeah. uh, when you're dealing with birds. Yeah, that word, that's, that's well, look, you, you said it about yourself earlier and that's, you know, I mean, yes. <laughs> yeah. Humility is, is man, if you, if you don't have it, You'll get yeah. it, right? You'll get when it. you're birding. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like, you know, as an e- I've been an eBird reviewer for a while. I don't do it as much as I used to. But one of the things that I felt what was so sort of frustrating with people who perhaps were not in the birding, I don't know, community, in the birding world, um, for lack of a better term, uh, or coming into birding and trying to identify birds and like they don't know what they don't know, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> they, they get really, really certain 
they they got even if they got like a shitty look at something like they know exactly what it is and it's something really unusual mm-hmm. and if you come back to them and be like eh, are you sure about that mm-hmm. because it might be this or this or this and they're like no no fuck no you don't know what you're talking about this is what it is i know it and like breaking through that breaking through that can be sort of difficult and it takes a little bit of time um especially for people who i don't know maybe are recently retired from like management or whatever and they're not used to people telling them no um yeah you gotta you gotta you gotta humble yourself a little bit yeah every golden eagle report that i see around here i know i just know it's a mm-hmm. bald eagle mm-hmm. like especially yeah. you, you look through the reports and like whose name is that oh i don't know That's that person it's yeah. definitely not a golden eagle man i'm t- yeah. i'm so sorry to tell you this <laughs> yeah. yeah and and like i, I part of you doesn't want to like stomp on their excitement, but like you, you gotta know, you gotta know, you gotta figure that stuff out. And you do like, I, like I, and as I said before, like I, I've made, yeah, terrible birding errors. Uh, one of my worst, and I'll, I'll just say this just to show that it (laughs) like can happen to anybody. So I was, uh, I was leading a trip with George Armistead who, who works for rock jumper. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. That guy. Banks in North Carolina. Yeah. George. We know I think George he was a, well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's a great guy. I love George. Um, but he, um, he, he and I were leading this outer banks trip, uh, for ABA. It was a uh, pelagic. And then there was an on land portion. Um, so you're not like at sea for three days, which can like fucking wipe you out. Mm. Um, so we, we would break that up. So we were on the land portion. We were driving around Cape Hatteras National Seashore. And um, this was, let's see, it was late summer. And there had just been a, uh, like a storm, a tropical storm kind of moving through. And I was like really wanting to find a frigate bird mm. because I still yeah. have frigate bird for uh, North Carolina. And there had been a lot of them seen on the Outer Banks uh, in the days before, just cause they kind of follow the wind and they hang out and then they leave and it's not, you know, frigate bird is not a bird that you can chase. It's just a bird. You have to be lucky. And one flies over, like mm-hmm. that's, that's how you find them. You, you right. can't like run after them. So I'm, I'm like kind of gassed for, for frigate bird. I'm looking for frigate bird and I'm sitting in the front of the car and, um, we're driving and it's like this overcast. It's this weird sky. It's like overcast and th- there's still sun coming from one corner. So it's very odd clouds. And we're, we're driving down the road and there's this big rise of pine trees and this bird comes flying over the top and I take one look at it and I go, magnificent frigate, fuck, mm. <laughs> <laughs> in front of this van full of people because at that moment I had just noticed it was a great egret. Oh. <laughs> yeah, you know, the long, long tail. Damn. Uh. the legs look like a tail and it's curly it, it, yeah mm. so I, I i realized that pretty quickly but still you know that's a that's a that's a big mistake to make uh, in front of a lot of people mm. so yeah birding it can humble you in uh in many ways the birds <laughs> give and the birds take they do they frequently I still don't have frigate bird for north carolina wow yeah we we were sean and and the rest of the crew uh, we're looking for frigate bird. Was it last year? There was reportedly mm-hmm. one moving down the coast, and I think yeah, was, yeah, yeah. We that. literally we just ran. It was seen at like one point on the yeah. Connecticut shoreline, so we just north of us. We went right. as yeah, we went as far basically west along the shore as we could get yeah. as it was traveling that way. But it definitely just shot over Long Island, and yeah. nobody ever saw it. No one. <laughs> yeah, like, they're yep. they're super touchy, you know. Mm. Yeah, and you can't you can't predict them they're they're just there and Mm -hmm. if you're lucky you get one if you're not you you don't yep we don't (laughs) yeah exactly no i hear you (laughs) that's it's basically everything that like that that comes through shoot like stays east towards like the massachusetts rhode island area yeah yeah, it comes over the border and then and then ends up in Long Island and then it's out in the Atlantic and it's over. Yeah. So <laughs> Yeah, Connecticut Connecticut has some bad luck in terms of geography. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh as far as that's concerned. Yeah. It happens. Yeah. Well, at least right, us so. in South Central. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everything's good on the east or it sticks to the New York border on the other uh, side. Yeah. Nothing in the central Connecticut uh corridor here, it seems. A perfect so. place to do a big year. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, shut up. <laughs> uh, good luck, Sean. It is. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, Are you doing one this year? 
I'm doing um or, I'm doing like, in, or were you doing one until everything shut down? <laughs> no, so yeah, so basically I'm I'm sticking to the top northeastern two counties. Uh-huh. So and because they're super underburdened and the right. it's amazing what we have here in terms of of like habitat, but no species being reported. So this yeah. year a couple of people retired and and myself have decided to do this like i i'm doing this big year and there's a couple of retirees that have like since found a lot more time and so now (laughs) we're starting to collect the species that everybody assumed were here all the time yeah Um, drumming roughed grouse stuff like that that like hadn't hadn't been reported in like 10 years so and we know they're here it's just some nobody's looking for them so yeah yeah it's funny like it's almost like this year would be a really great year and also a really terrible year to do a big year, mm-hmm. like a really great year because so many people are like suddenly at home and might yeah. have time to like chase things. But obviously, you know, really shitty because no one is finding anything and no one was out birding, which is such a huge part of doing yeah. a big year is chasing other people's birds. Mm-hmm. Everybody is at the state parks and yeah. the, you know, the, the, the Audubon sanctuaries and like they're overrun. People never go to these places and now you can't get to the parking lot. So, I I mean, hopefully that means that the resourceful birders will find new places to go. And with it, we'll maybe we'll find new species or new habitats or whatever, but it's just like, Oh God. (laughs) So (laughs) I don't know. My efforts are, have been stymied a little bit. I like, yeah, peaked it i hit 96 yesterday and i'm just like now what am i gonna do yeah 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 i tried to do a big year in uh, north carolina one year the year before my son was born it's like 10 years ago now and i i discovered a lot about myself uh mainly that like i am really really fucking bad at doing a big year Um, (laughs) like i don't particularly like to drive long distances Mm -hmm. and uh yeah like I don't have the patience to stake out things for really long periods of time. Mm. Uh, so it's just like, that's, which is fine. Like I know that now and uh, I'll just uh, watch other people do it mm-hmm. vicariously through them. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm giving it, I'm giving it a good try, but I anticipate once the warblers have moved through and started their nesting, I'm going to be pretty over it for like, you know, until <laughs> at least until the fall, I feel like yeah. the summer is going to really wreck things for me. Yeah. So. There's a, there's a wall about September that makes it really hard to keep going. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I also, don't know. We'll see. Now that we're sort of on the topic of, uh, you know, geez, what do you do? Uh, what are people out there doing? And hey, if if you're listening, we'd like to hear about how you're birding um, right now. So send us an email or, you know, hit us up in a comment. But um, uh, Nate, you uh, did an episode on the ABA podcast about um, like birding with kids. <laughs> and um, first of all, I, I I will totally admit that I listened to like 20 minutes of it and then a rage quit when you got to the point that you were like oh my kids just uh fell asleep in the baby bjorn so i oh, could no. just bird as normal eat and, shit uh, <laughs> that lasted like, about six months <laughs> yeah um so yeah i was just like what i threw my computer and that's why it took us so yeah, long to get going that. today yeah it's fine yeah. um <laughs> but uh so now that you're now that your kids are older um yeah geez what's it like do you do you take them out do you do bring them to the woods and force them to you know id (laughs) birds by by calls like what's happening uh yeah you know i'm not i never wanted to be the kind of person that like really forced my kids into my own interests um i didn't want because i feel like that has i've seen that happen with birders before like they have kids and then they think that they've got like their birding partner for the rest of their life Mm -hmm. and then it turns out that the kid doesn't actually like birding all that much yeah (laughs) it's sort of resenting it um so i never wanted to kind of do that um you know my my own parents are really good at sort of uh finding my interests and then tailoring their activities to my interests so you know i kind of hope that i'm able to do that a little bit to my own kids my my son's into like uh sports <laughs> and so like that's cool i like sports too so mm-hmm. like I, I can i i can do that as well but um not yeah, right you know, now go, but in general not right now sure. no in general <laughs> speaking yeah right so um yeah i i took them out when they were young um we go on walks uh, i did it as much to give my wife a break as yeah. much as uh you know for my own 
uh, interest. I figured that I would be more inclined to get, you know, sort of permission or at least uh, a grudging okay to like go chase an unusual bird if I, you know, took my own kids out and mm-hmm. for a couple hours or an hour and a half uh, on weekends. And that generally was the case. I'm, I'm very fortunate that my wife is a good sport about all this, even though she's not a birder. Mm-hmm. But, um, a mixed you know, family. They, they, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> they, um, they learn a lot through osmosis. So like I, I cannot go out and walk around outside without pointing out what mm-hmm. I'm hearing and what I'm seeing. Uh, so they kind of figure that out. They figure a lot of things out. Like my daughter identified a cardinal the other day mm-hmm. without any sort of prompting, uh, that was singing, which I thought was pretty cool. Nice. Um, and they're, they're interested in nature stuff. I think kids kind of generally are. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, when I was, a when they were younger and even now I would take them out and we would look for things that aren't birds because birds can be awfully kind of difficult for young children to see, yeah. uh, and follow, and like using binoculars is a skill that takes time and sometimes they can get frustrated with that. Uh, so we'd look for like bugs and snakes and salamanders and all sorts of stuff, which I'm interested in, in too. So it was, it was fine by me. Um, so yeah, it was good. Like, I, but I never, I never tried to force them into it. If they come to it, uh, if they come to it naturally, then that's great. And I will, you know, obviously be, be super fucking excited, but, uh, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go out of my way to really kind of push it. <laughs> uh, my son gets jealous of my traveling just because he wants to travel and like eat different foods. So, you know, that's, that's, yeah. Too. <laughs> yeah. Me too. Yes. Yeah. Right. That's one of those parts about traveling for burning that's too. Funny. Yeah, w- yeah. When you were just wrapping up there, I suddenly had a flash to that scene, um, from clockwork orange where his, uh, eyes are being, you know, <laughs> held open with the drops going in. Yeah. <laughs> Except yeah. like, it's just videos of birds. That... <laughs> right. Hey, look, I have shelves upon shelves of field guides. If anyone wants to pick those up and leaf through them and see, see the cool stuff in there nice more power to them i i will not stand over their shoulder to do it but mm-hmm. i may heavily you know just suggest that they're over there and if you want to have a look at cool stuff you can see that mm-hmm. <laughs> i nice. feel like our son is like peaking right now with mm-hmm. his bird interest like he really is into birding at that's cool 20 months yeah. but we're like yeah. is this gonna like i'm always like is this gonna last because it's amazing <laughs> yeah He'll see a turkey vulture and freak the fuck out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I have a really wonderful memory of like my son when he was about that age, and we were walking at this park uh, in Chapel Hill, and uh, there was like this wood thrush singing like not more than three feet above my head and so i just like parked underneath it wow and it was just singing its heart out mm. and like my kid was like what the hell is this mm-hmm. um just wide-eyed staring upward which was really cool he, yeah. he doesn't remember that but i will yep <laughs> right yeah. yeah that's what counts we, we had a moment like that with a carolina wren the other day yeah, yeah, yeah. he mm-hmm. stopped he could hear it in the distance and he stopped and he looked at me and had a big smile he's like birdie mm. yeah and i was like yes yes yeah well, it's interesting too, like the um, the the calls that they pick up on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we we've been trying to get him to ID certain birds for you know, well, almost Since two birth. years. <laughs> yep. And uh, <laughs> but what's interesting is that he heard you know a crow one day go over you know and <laughs> and I'm like yeah, yeah. oh a crow and he's That's like good. and he's like crow and I'm like yep and then the next day. We, there's like a crow in the distance and he looks at me and he goes crow <laughs> i'm like okay all right <laughs> got it so you're really it, yeah. into crows and <laughs> turkey vultures yeah you can't hear That's them coming well he can see them yeah. yeah yeah i'm just taking notes i don't have any kids so i'm just like i'm, I'm writing down what i need to yeah. do to yep. sway yep. everything in my favor without ruining I, things you know and I, you know, Ted Floyd said this, and Ted Floyd is like really into taking his kids everywhere he goes. And I think his kids are sort of, you know, kind of abnormally into that sort of stuff. They're like, I don't know, Ted. Ted's an interesting dude, and his kids are going to be interesting people too. Um, I can't do that. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I there's sometimes when I want to take my kids out and they're not interested, and I'd like, I like I don't want to fight them. I don't right. want to fight it, and right. I'm just not yeah. going to do it. Yeah, you know that happens too. Yeah, you know there's there's the good side, and then there's the you know the frustrating side, and it's not it's not worth like sugarcoating it. Like maybe I may have done in the podcast, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, yeah, it's true. Yeah, I mean, highs it's, and lows, it's like yeah. everything else with parenting. 
Yeah, I mean, you, you, yeah, you have to allow them their agency, and they're right, just, right, right. you know, it's it's weird until you have kids, you don't really understand. Like, I at least I didn't like how much personality we're just born with, and who we are yeah. is just yeah, yeah. like a feature of our genetics and the way we sort of assemble in utero and shortly thereafter. And it's it's yeah. wild because like. You know, you might have ideas for your kids, and you're gonna have to pretty quickly <laughs> yeah. move on from those. Yeah, and look, like uh, all I can do is introduce them to stuff. Yeah, and if right. it sticks, it sticks, and if it doesn't, yep, it doesn't. And who knows when it's gonna come back to? Like this, you you ingrain something, some interest, some minor thing into a kid early on, and it, it could pop up in like a completely unexpected way down the road. You never know. Yeah, you, you just can only you know play it by ear well there are a lot of people who we talk to right who have this experience where they they sort of birded casually with their parents as a kid and Mm -hmm. then they you know hit puberty and didn't care and then sometime Mm -hmm. in their like maybe mid-20s or something came back to it you know yeah yeah i count myself in that yeah group to some extent yeah Yeah. totally and and i i think that's you know like you said you, you you plant the seeds of this stuff you know of just appreciation for what exists in the world around them and, you know, teach them respect for all of those living things. And, you know, you just have to sort of trust and have faith that, you know, they're going to grow up and they're going to get a bunch of stuff out of their systems. And, you know, when they're done doing keg stands or into their systems, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I was gonna say. <laughs> <laughs> that they're just going to going to hit the field, you know, with a good pair of scopes and, and start, you know, start burning. Yeah, who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. All right, so let's let's switch gears a little bit here because yep. I think we're probably running down on time. We don't want to keep sure. you forever. Um, you, as the host of the American Birding Cat podcast, you've been super good at staying really diplomatic despite how shitty our political system is despite how <laughs> shitty our environmental situation is like you, you and yeah. but recently i think I, I feel like the aba as a whole has shown like this big shift you know um pride uh, the pride flag uh as the backdrop for the yeah. stickers and things like that. everything that's been happening lately it's just there's been a big shift um and I want to know, I think a lot of people probably want to know what, what is it that that's like sort of causing that change? You guys have sort of definitely taken a definite political stance and, and how hard is it to walk the line as an organization? Yeah. So, you know, there are certain rules that 501c3s have to do, have to abide by to keep their tax, you know, their tax benefits as far as political comments and statements are are concerned and uh you know a few years ago the aba actually changed our bylaws to make it so that we could uh come out in terms come out and you know make political statements obviously we still cannot make statements as to who you should vote for or or any individual person but like we can come out pretty strongly on uh policies and certain policies and then say hey you know what these are good policies. These are bad policies. You mm-hmm. should probably take a look at these when you're deciding who to vote for. And that's about as far as we can go. Yeah. Um, I don't know. As far as being diplomatic is concerned, uh, a lot of that is like the Midwestern in me, like not wanting to be <laughs> <laughs> like, a- like come out just too angry or anything. Mm. But um, it's hard not to be, <laughs> at least yeah. personally, uh, in this current situation. And I'm not just talking about COVID, but like every fucking thing. Yeah. Um, Yep. And you know, it's it, we don't hide our politics uh, individually at the ABA. Like we're pretty overt about where we come down on a lot of things. If you follow any of us on social media, and um, yeah, <laughs> great some, niece. Some, yeah, yeah, I was gonna say. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, I don't know. Like it's hard not to. I, I I think I think birders are in some ways like we are we are witnesses to a lot of this environmental stuff especially like we see this stuff going on before a lot of other people see it like we are seeing the effects of of climate change we are seeing the effects of you know the way we manage wildlands or the, or the way fossil fuel companies are using uh the land it's it's like we we, we see that more than most people because we're in these places and we're watching the organisms that are being affected by this stuff and so like if we're not going to come out and and be overt about 
what we believe in these situations and what what exactly is is the point of this organization to some extent yeah you know i i think that we have an obligation to speak for birders and we have an obligation to speak for the community and Mm -hmm. you know speak in ways that are in the best interests of our community and these are environmental issues where we protect birds protect bird populations protect access to a lot of these public places protect habitats all all that shit yeah like we got to do all that yep and like it's I think people are looking for organizations look at what people are looking for in organizations that are, are ones that are not going to kind of ride that line too much. Like they're going to come out and say what needs to be said. And and I hope that we are able to do that. Obviously we can't do it as much as we'd want to, but I I feel like we can do that more. I certainly want to do that more. Um, When I started the podcast, uh, I was very kind of, I held back a little bit more on that stuff, but you know, the things like the border wall fuckery and the, Oh, that oh stuff. <laughs> yeah. How like can you right not? Through, yeah. man. How can like, you not Jesus. say something about that, right? Yep. I mean, yep. I don't know. No, I think yeah. there was a big turning point for me. I've been listening for as long as I've been birding, basically. And mm. I and I, I have to say there was like a, a turning point. I, I don't I don't remember when it was, but it things changed yeah. <laughs> like noticeably, like in like <laughs> attitudes. And it wasn't just you on the podcast, you know, Jeff yeah. Gordon, like everything, presence, like yeah. online presence, like yeah. articles that are being shared, stuff like that. Like you guys have been pushing it. It's it's a big deal. It really well, is. It goes think, a long way. Yeah, I think the border wall was the first issue that really resonated with a lot of as as like a, a very clear i mean obviously there's a whole humanitarian side of that that is super important but there is a very obvious birding community interest there like yeah. you cannot yeah. fucking wall off santa Ana. you can't yeah. fucking wall off benson right yeah. you, you can't do that these are like crown jewels like some of the best birding places on on in the country yeah. you can't yeah. can't take these away from us and like it became very clear like this was obviously an issue that that ABA people, even, you know, not a, not necessarily a burning issue, but obviously something that we care about being liberal in our politics. Yeah. Um, and this was a way to kind of express an opposition to this border wall uh, in a way that was burning specific. Well, right. Yeah. And then we got a lot of good response from that. We got a little good feedback. It seemed like it was yeah. something that a lot of birders were interested in hearing. Mm-hmm. And so all right, well, let's take that a step further. Let's, let's go into some other stuff. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's, I think it was the border wall was the issue that really changed things. Well, and like, let's, let's be clear about the border wall. I mean, you can placate to bigots and xenophobes and that's fine. But mm-hmm. in reality, you know, saving local and global ecologies should not be a political issue yes there was a time (laughs) there was a time in this country and in this world where it didn't matter if you were an elephant or a donkey or neither that Mm. you cared about the land and the water you know on which you lived and drank and Mm -hmm. i don't know what happened capitalism that just completely (laughs) completely (laughs) broke into into you know if you care about the environment, you are a bleeding heart liberal. And oh, I don't just... I don't know what that is. And I think it's something yeah. that we have to fight. And I know people that fight this. I, I, you know, I have friends and family who are conservative, you know, politically, yeah. maybe religiously, but they care about the world, you yeah. know, and they care about the land and they care about, you know, to them, what is God's creation and being stewards of it. And right. I don't, you know, I, I think the Republican Party in service of you know, essentially corporate greed um, have just really built, you know, an entire population into into just you know, it's like dangling the carrot in front of people. And it's like, just pay attention mm-hmm. to this thing, you know, and if you want this and we all know what this is and I won't say it, but like, if you want this, then, you know, you'll have to vote for us. Oh, and yeah. by the way, you know, we're going to be dumping toxic sludge in your backyards <laughs> and we're like dismantling <laughs> the EPA, which by the way was uh, a Nixon yeah. uh, organization. It, so like, let's not, you know, let's get yeah, back to so, there's an aspect of it that to, to, to me personally is so fucking annoying. And that is this, this reflexive opposition to anything. Right. Yeah. And you're right. Yeah. There was a time when these sort of conservation issues were very much nonpartisan. Like people, people understood the need for this sort of thing. And then there was something came along and uh, obviously, 
it became anyone who cared about this sort of thing was was a democrat and like because they care about this we have to be against it it doesn't matter what it is we just have to be fucking against it yeah right because you hate those people you hate those because they're annoying (laughs) (laughs) yeah and some of them are look i'm not gonna lie but like it's it's wrong (laughs) it is just wrong to be just knee-jerk opposition to this sort of thing just and that's the part that just drives me absolutely on the up the wall because it is just such a terrible argument and i hate bad arguments and like it is just this this reflexive opposition to anything that uh, a republic that a democrat might actually want to do is bad and it, it, uh, i don't know yeah it, it, it just gets me worked up and i can't i can't stand it i, I feel can't you. stand it i feel you man nate i'm 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 frothing a little bit along with you, <laughs> yeah, you know, we can we can back away from this let my my sure. blood pressure go down but sure man I, I will stand with solidarity <laughs> on on with you on this issue and i, I really yeah. feel like i hope that everyone else out there you know, hey, man, if maybe you just like birds and you put up with our liberal bullshit, you know, and that's <laughs> like, hey, you know, right on. We need you. We need we need you. And we need people yeah. like you to just be like, look, man, I don't you know, I don't care what you think about, you know, whatever privatizing Social Security. But mm-hmm. one thing's for sure. You know, we've got to do something about the land on which we live. So, yeah. All right. Cool. It's Ayn Rand's world. We're just living in it. (laughs) I literally, I'm never not going to be able to see that fucking valley in Colorado in my mind when I think about where we are right now. (laughs) I just can't not think about it. It's horrible. It's horrifying. Yeah. Well, so... Okay, <laughs> that was that was awesomely dismal. Yeah, um, yeah, sorry what is a, a lot of good stuff going on? No, no, this is good. <laughs> we this is what we want to do. We we need yeah. to talk about this shit. People don't want to talk about it, and it's fucking ridiculous. We need to we need to swear about it and be angry and <laughs> yeah. show the world that that it's worth caring. Um, what is what does a post COVID nineteen look like for the birding landscape right now? You know, with all the festivals canceling, with yeah. conventions shutting down, like. Like we're losing the biggest week in birding is not happening this year. Like, is it is it a spring migration if that festival doesn't happen? (laughs) Right. Like, it's gonna feel really different. It's gonna feel really different because I, you know, I was planning on going up and uh, I was gonna go to a festival in Oklahoma. I was scheduled to speak and that got canceled. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I gotta think that we're gonna come through this and like birding and being outdoors and the festival provided that they aren't hurt too badly on the financial end of this Mm. um they're gonna come back and you know eventually we're gonna get a vaccine right and if it becomes the sort of thing where you know you get your covid your coronavirus virus vaccine along with your flu shot Mm -hmm. then you know then maybe we can get through this and Mm -hmm. but yeah it's gonna be a weird year a weird spring hopefully things will be i don't know I, i can't even say that things will be back to normal in the fall it'll be weird until until we put it behind us and I don't know how long it's going to take. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, man, I don't know. I like I think that I think that a lot of travel companies are getting hit pretty hard right now and Yeah, I was ABA just going to say a little hard. Yeah. Um you know, I think it's it's time for people to to support those organizations and those mm-hmm. if I'm trying I'm not trying to sell anything here, but like it's you need to support the organizations and the businesses that you care about in this time. And mm-hmm. I'm not just talking about birding organizations, I'm talking about like restaurants that you like to go to. Yeah, hundred percent. Like, like everyone needs a little bit of help. And yep. I think we should just be aware of that. But oh yeah. I'm I'm interested to see what's gonna happen as far as the birds are concerned when there aren't like people on the beaches and there aren't people maybe out in some of these there aren't as much traffic and there isn't mm-hmm. as much that sort of thing. Like I could see it maybe being a, a rest for some of them uh, in some ways, but um, I, you know, I want to hope that we get back to this. I, I got to think that we're going to get back uh, to something that's, that resembles what we have had in the past. Um, yeah. Yeah. Maybe we're all wearing masks uh, the next time, but mm-hmm. still, <laughs> still we'll be birding and that's the important thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It would be nice to see yeah, like a shorebird boom. Like maybe yeah, that would be cool. Shorebird, <laughs> sea turtles, you know, all those yeah. things. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. We're already seeing clear skies and clear water, and yeah, it's wild. You know, things like that. So, I mean, we've always known it. <laughs> we just needed yeah. to see it. <laughs> and and, so. and it is going to be interesting to see how uh, people respond. 
um, you know, we at, at the ABA we've been doing we've been trying to do a lot more online stuff. We've been doing this virtual bird club thing, and we've been trying to do talks, live talks on what's this bird and all that stuff more often. Yeah. Um, I think it's kind of forced people to do some things differently than they have in the past, and and some of those things are going to be. Um, opportunities that are going to persist beyond this that are going to be useful beyond this so yeah. you know i think yeah. we're all going to learn how to do some things a little bit better a little bit differently and i think that may that may be you know ultimately the the thing to look back on on this is you know if there's a silver lining that'll be it hmm. yeah i saw jason jason ward he's like talking about organizing a virtual birding festival yeah it's a cool which, idea it sounds like a good idea like there's it seems like everybody's sort of banding together at the at this point but there's a uh, lot of that yeah yeah so i hope it works out i mean i think i'm i'm kind of excited at now that we're in it i'm excited to see mm-hmm. yeah what happens uh, in a way right. but you're right we but like go buy a gift certificate to your barber shop or mm-hmm. something yeah. like that like <laughs> while we're on that subject <laughs> i need a haircut real bad it's yeah so i know bad. everyone does i've got yeah. a mullet that is like <laughs> so epic yeah, it's like yeah, I'm, it's like I'm some... sitting over here with MacGyver. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I tried to buy some barber shares on Amazon, but the like backlist there, you know, I can't oh, get yeah. them wow. the end of April. So, right. hey, that's your mind. That's like when I'll get your book. Idea. I'm looking forward yeah, to it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> everything will come at once, like a giant, like refrigerator-sized box of everything you ordered oh, over man. the last three weeks. So, what do you um? what else do you want is there anything else you want the people the good people to know uh about nate swick where you know like hopes dreams you know (laughs) what is a what does your perfect date look like like, (laughs) i don't know like i i i'm i'm pretty much a homebody so like this hasn't been too bad for me honestly this self-isolating thing same (laughs) <laughs> so no, oh, I'd like my kids to go back to school at some point. Yeah. <laughs> Same. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> but uh nah, you know, I, I I appreciate the opportunity to talk to maybe some people who who don't listen to the ABA podcast. Um you know, if you enjoy me talking about birds. Mm-hmm. Like uh, there's more of that there. Yeah. I have a random yeah, question. I mean... Um what where does Swick come from? Like what Swick? What is that? Uh, uh, so, like, you know, these sort of things are. <laughs> yeah. So, the, you know, these sort of things all have these their own sort of family mythologies. But uh, I'm told it's East German. Hmm. Okay. Um, a friend of mine in college told me it sounded like the sound uh, when, like, a straight razor comes out of the package. Oh, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Which was like, the, coolest, the, the coolest description I'd ever heard of. When the switchblade pops exactly. open. Goes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's actually like the shorthand for my hometown. So oh, really? I'm from a town called Southwick. So oh, really? they call it like Swick or the Wick. So um huh. I had to ask. <laughs> yeah. No, I like I think um there's a little town in East Germany called Zwickau mm-hmm. with a Z. And uh, I think that's where all the Swicks come from. There's yeah. a there's a bunch of them in like Ohio in kansas and also it was probably spelled extremely differently and then someone yeah. at ellis island was like uh okay s-w-o-s-c-k get out of here <laughs> well yeah. you've all got the same accent yeah <laughs> you're all from yeah. the same place yeah. there you yeah. go yeah we'll just yeah. give you the the name of your town yep yeah yeah well nate we um we really appreciate all of this yeah. um no, we always good. close out the podcast with one last question um, you know it's coming least- you know it's coming. I'm I sure you prepped for this. Yes. Do you hard. believe in the ivory-billed woodpecker, Nate Swick? I believe that it existed. I don't believe it's, <laughs> but you know, so this no, I don't. I don't believe it's. I I think it's extinct. But um, I will say that we do. We do frequently get. So I, I maintain the ABA's Facebook presence, and uh, we do occasionally get emails from people who claim to have taken photos of it. Uh, in their backyards uh-huh. uh, from time to time, including when a couple of days ago it was uh, it was not an ivory billed woodpecker. Uh-huh. What was it? That. It was a pileated woodpecker. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was say, it's a squirrel. Yeah, yeah. Always. Yeah. It was a painting uh-huh. uh, of a. <laughs> yeah, it was... it was a skunk. <laughs> oh man! Well, it's cool. I'm collecting people for this boat trip to the swamps in Louisiana. So you know, just trying to <laughs> see who might be interested. Right 
yeah. I don't know if there's yeah. any woodpeckers. Well, not ivory bills down there, but there's good birds down there. Well, find me, find some rails at least. It's so. taking yeah. on a sort of yeah. mythological scope at this point. It's like getting on a boat to cross the river Styx. If you get it, if you get <laughs> yeah. in the canoe with Sean, you know, in the swamps in Louisiana, just be prepared for <laughs> weird. <laughs> what comes next? Exactly. You never know. All right. Um, you have to be wearing a ghillie suit. <laughs> <laughs> it's required. Uh, Nate, thanks so much. It, it has been uh, a real pleasure. Thank you so much yeah, for coming my on. My pleasure. My pleasure. Yeah, um, I I just want to say like I appreciate y'all doing the doing podcasts. I I really want there to be a like a community of birding podcasts. It's shocking that there are so few of us, honestly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, keep on keeping on. Thank you. We appreciate yeah. that. We're we're doing our thing. Yeah. Yeah. Trying anyway. Yeah. One, one curse word at a time. That's right. We don't know what that thing is, but we're doing it hard. <laughs> that's right. That's the important. That's yep. the important thing. Yeah. That's how we roll. Yeah. <laughs> cool, man. Well, Nate, enjoy uh, enjoy COVID uh, quarantine. <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll, maybe we'll maybe we can check in when the, when when the shit um, stops hitting the fan and mm-hmm. yeah. everything quiets Absolutely. down again. So. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Cool, man. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. thanks. My pleasure. Bye.